Hey, if you like us and think we're doing a good job, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. It really helps grow the show. Also, check out the video version of the podcast at our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Haposupremacy. And now, let's get into what's happening. Hey, what's happening? Episode 102. I am Shane, and I am very happy to have uh, Oliver uh, Gia. That's how you pronounce your last name, right? Gia? There are many pronunciations, but uh, Jia is probably the closest Jia. to the uh, Chinese pronunciation. Okay. Yeah. Wow. How embarrassing. I got it wrong right off the bat. Good stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, thanks for, for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I guess just to kind of start off, just uh, introduce yourself and let people know who you are. Um, so go ahead. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Oliver Ja. I'm a social media editor for the website NK News, which is a specialist website that uh, covers everything related to the Korean Peninsula. So uh, news, uh, news articles, uh, opinion pieces, interviews, that sort of thing. So that's like my internet presence. But uh, I think uh, what you introduced uh, you to me was just my Twitter account in general. I would say uh, I have like, I think over 10,000 followers at this point, which is very surprising because I don't really do that much. I don't make any like podcast or anything. I don't have a YouTube channel. I've uh, written articles like on a, a variety of different topics, but nothing like that's too, I think, widely read. So uh, this is like the first time with NK News that it's the first time I'm actually getting my stuff out there. So that's my online presence. But besides that, I'm a master's student for international relations in uh, Kyoto, Japan. So uh, most people who follow me, I think they see me post a lot about life in Japan, about uh, society, politics, history, that sort of thing. So a variety of different topics, just I guess related to Asia in general. Oh, pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I guess the main thing that I, I wanted to um, ask you about is kind of, I guess, the the big thing that's happened in 2020, and it's about the COVID-19 and how in every country has reacted to however they're going to react. Um, so like for me, since I'm in America, um, in Texas specifically, uh I guess it really depends on who you're talking to. If, if, if you live in like Florida, for example, you're, you're liking what the government, what the governor is doing. If you're more in the, you know, let, let the people kind of decide what they need to do to fight the COVID-19 virus and, and, and anything like that. But then you have other people who say, I don't like that. I want, I want them to do more. I want the government to kind of, take control and to, I guess, step in or whatever. Um, so you have those two factions and you have like the pro mask, anti-mask people. And it, it's, it's really getting ridiculous and crazy. And Japan is one of the countries that's generally brought up whenever someone goes, well, Japan, they reacted great. You know, they, Oh, they did this and they did that and the blah, 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 blah. So, for your experience and living in uh, Kyoto, can you kind of just go with a rundown on how Japan actually reacted to COVID-19 and and then we'll kind of just go from there? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, uh, I guess the one thing that just like sticks out to me the most is my life 
now in Kyoto, Japan, I don't really find it that much different from a year ago. Because so I'm sure that a lot of, you know, our American listeners, uh, they're going to say, well, if you compare my life in America to a year ago, everything has changed, you know, business right. days, how, how I conduct my life, just like talking to people, how I uh, interact with people like on a daily basis. But I think that's because so in Japan, when you get sick anyways, or if you have any kind of symptoms, you know, COVID-19 notwithstanding, you're already encouraged to wear masks. It's not a very touchy feely culture here. Uh, people aren't really, you know, up in each other's faces. So um, I think with just like that culture to begin with, how there's already like a social distancing culture, so to speak. I think that's the reason why you already have. Uh, it wasn't really that hard for people to adjust to say now mask wearing. It is, you know, mandatory in the sense where. OK, so this is the other thing too, you have to know about like Japanese bureaucracy and Japanese rules. A lot of it is not like in like legal language. It's not written down. It's like a social, like a cultural thing where everybody sort of agrees to each other that, OK, well, if this person is doing this, I'll do this, too. If my neighbors are doing this, I don't want to be the one person who's like sticking out from the rest of them. So like if you're in a room, for example, and you're the only one not wearing a mask, you're going to the one who's going to be sticking out and uh, you're going to feel that pressure from everybody saying like, you know, I should I have this pressure to fit in with everybody else. I should do what everybody else is doing so that's the one aspect of that and then the other aspect of that is is so businesses a lot of them voluntarily closed down a lot of them voluntarily shuttered their doors temporarily because they felt that this wasn't going to like uh, work out because it was so dangerous now there were like some i think uh, in tokyo especially because tokyo is the most it's the center of japan it's what everybody thinks about when they think of japan you know i think the metropolitan area it's like 40 million people altogether so very very huge area and uh, there were some like restrictions placed up where you have to be closed by like a, a, a at, like a certain time but it was never like closed down completely where like everybody's like shut down if people did that that was mostly voluntary voluntary and uh mm-hmm. There was like, I think about like a month or so where like things were like sort of like, you know, the things were much like less activity in terms of businesses. But that was a very brief time. It wasn't like, you know, an extension. There was never there there are some talks, you know, second lockdown. We need this, but that hasn't really been decided yet. And so for the most part, it has been, you know, very voluntary, I would say. Hmm. Yeah, because I remember here when the, the whole thing started. And like with the mask wearing, for example, like Nico and I, when, you know, we would wear masks back in, like I was saying in the beginning and people were looking at us like, yeah. like, why, 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 why are you wearing a mask? Are you crazy? Now it's the complete opposite. Yes. <laughs> you know, now it's like, wait, you're, oh, you're not wearing a mask. What are you, what, what, you know, the whole, you want your grandma to die and all that stuff. So, and I, and I know, again, this is just from my, you know, plain surface level kind of knowledge on Japanese culture and that is, and just in Asian culture in general, really. And that's, you know, when you feel even a, like slightly sick, when you go out, like wearing a mask is just, that's kind of what you do. You know, it's normal. You know, it's not something that people look at you and you're, you know, you're like, oh, why are you listening? To the, I can't believe you're wearing a mask. Are you crazy? It's just that it, they have that culture of, like you were saying, you know, they have this, you know, like I'm worried about myself and I'm worried about others and then everything. It's more, it's definitely more of like a group uh, center type of thing, right? 
Yes. And uh, actually, when you say that, that reminds me of this anecdote that I had. So the first time that I came to Japan, which was about three years ago, it was a study abroad program that was just for about a year. And one time, so I lived with a host family, a Japanese family. And one time I got very sick from influenza. And when I was sick with like the flu, the host mother was basically telling me, okay, you can't leave your room at all. If you need something, literally just text me so I can come over to the other room and like hand you the stuff like, you know, at the door. If you have to go out, wear a mask at all times. And what really sticks out to me was like, I just wanted to take like a shower because like you know when you're sick you're gross and everything and that's a very normal thing for us in the states to do to just take a shower whenever but we almost got into like an argument about like no you can't get into the shower because we're all we're all using this and like you're sick so you have to wait until like you know the symptoms have gone down so like that's how strict they can get especially with like you know spreading viruses and you know keeping apart from each other and that to me is like i think one of the biggest differences between uh, here and in the states i would say yeah so can you kind of talk about how the Japan, I guess, news media has looked at America because everyone's like focused on, oh, what's America doing with this whole thing, right? Sure. So can you kind of talk about what they're what they're saying about what America is doing with all this? Yeah. So that's the thing about, I would say, with like, you know, American politics in Japan, Japanese people as a whole don't care about America until basically America screws up and like does something, you know, huge that like makes international headlines. You saw that with like the, the like the George Floyd protests, for example, that was on TV here. Uh, the huge spikes of like COVID cases that was also shown here. And also the whole madness with the election did like, you know, Biden win or actually like legitimately that was on the news here. So mm-hmm. Whenever it's like big events like that, then that does get, uh, you know, put on on the new, on news TV. So uh, I, the thing with that, though, is like, yes, it is news and it is, I think, uh, worthy of like some degree of coverage. But I guess the issue with that is if you only see that from America, you only see like those like those big, like, you know, intense moments. I think it really warps the perception of people's uh, how people view America in Japan, because keep in mind, most Japanese people, they know about as much as America as most Americans know about Japan. It really is like a two way thing. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. It's like, you know, because I know you also had mentioned on, on uh, Twitter about when, uh, like, when, like with the presidential election, we'll just kind of go with that and talking about how the libertarian presidential nom, or yeah, candidate, not candidate, nominee. I, I get those two words mixed up. Yeah. Nominee for Joe, 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 Joe Jorgensen, right? Yeah, Joe Jorgensen, right. And you're like, you know, if you ask a random person on the street, do you know that? Do you know Joe Jorgensen? They're like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. I would even go further. They probably wouldn't even know there's a libertarian party to begin with. Right. And it's weird, too, because I know maybe because I've looked more into it, but I know that there is a constitution party, Don Blankenship. And like, you know, the Green Party and all that. So. There's a whole bunch of parties that yes. that are here, and I'm sure that's the exact same thing with Japan. It's not just yes. it's just it's not just one party. There's a whole bunch of parties, and so kind of with the libertarian thing, does is there is there a, like kind of a a, a big uh, I guess I don't know what the right term was, but I guess they're like a like a big kind of you know because like you were saying, everyone kind of. It's all like like I was saying before, like a group type of thing where everyone kind of does everything for each other and all that. But is there that type, those type of people that kind of look at it and say, "Well, I'm I want to do what I want," like a more individual liberty type of thing over there? 
Uh, yes, there are. And the thing with those people who I have met, a lot of them just end up like moving away from Japan. They end up going yeah. uh, to like the States or to some other country because the people who are most likely to have those ideas are the ones that are going to most likely who have been to other parts of the world. And uh so the thing is, like a lot of those people that I've talked to, they have like a very high degree of fluency in English, and uh, a lot of them also tend to be uh, women too, because mm -hmm. they don't they. So there's a thing about like you know gender expectations in Japan, where a lot of uh, women are expected to basically like give up their careers to have kids, or if they do have kids, to basically stop their career and then just go, go to being a homemaker. And there's a lot of Japanese women where they're perfectly fine with that, but there's also yeah. some that uh, don't feel that way, and so they view that uh, moving to the states or moving to Canada or to Europe it gives them more opportunity to do something like that but in terms of libertarianism in japan i mean uh well i know she's not a libertarian because she hates hates them but like ayn rand for example yeah. i've like shown like ayn rand like you know her philosophy just like you know so what do you think of this uh, ayn rand person i show I, I showed like a japanese friend a while back uh her japanese wikipedia page because it outlines like you know what the uh um, her the, the what the tenets of objectivism are, and he like looked at this. He says, "Yeah, this is basically like a philosophy for like you know rich people, for people who can like <laughs> who can afford to be selfish." So uh, you're gonna find like you know uh, pockets of people who do believe in that kind of stuff, but widespread, I don't really think so. And I think it's gonna it would be very hard for a movement like that to take take off in Japan. Yeah, that that is uh, quite interesting, and. And as far as I know, it, it is more, it's kind of like, I'm not even really sure how to kind of put it, but it's like, I mean, like with here in America, there's going to be those people that, I mean, cause there is a huge following of, of like libertarianism, I guess, or just that ilk of people here, but it's, it's like, do they put those type of politics in action, so to speak, you know, because, you know, you have like the Republican and Democrat parties and there's maybe there's like a handful that you can think of. Okay. They, they try to, they do lean more libertarian or whatever like yeah, that. Like Rand Paul and all that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't know. It's just, it's quite interesting to kind of hear about other people's like when they live in other countries and how their politics works, because yeah, like libertarian is just some foreign, term or, or like you were saying when you're talking to your friend about oh that's just for rich people whatever that's that's probably i mean anyone who looks into it more i mean if they're going to continue to think that way then i guess that's their prerogative but for the most part people don't think oh yeah libertarian equals rich or whatever yeah. like that you know so well the one thing about well the one thing also that is uh, interesting i don't know if you have this like in your family but a lot of those a older asian americans that like escaped from uh, communist societies whatever they tend to vote republican so uh, my uh, so you asked me like you know before we started shooting why do you consider yourself like small l libertarian or any kind of libertarianish at all well my uh, dad's side uh, they're chinese and they lived during the cultural revolution in china so my dad was born in 1954, and then the Cultural Revolution started in 1966 until 1976. So he was old enough and conscious enough to live through all 10 years of that. And so that's how I learned about, uh, you know, the horrible things that went, went on in China during that time. So uh, and to learn about something like that, you can't have the same view of government as I think people who don't have that background. 
And uh, whenever I try to like explain to people why I dislike communism or socialism so much, if you have like, you know, like Soviet parents or Ukrainian parents or Vietnamese parents, a lot of them is like, oh, yeah, I totally get it. I know, you know, right. what that what those ideologies do to these societies. But if you talk to just the average American off the street who like doesn't have that background, who doesn't know that history there, uh, some of them are going to think you're crazy, especially if you're like on a, on a university campus or whatever, where, you know, socialism is in vogue these days, or maybe it's always been in vogue on, on campuses. But the point is, is that like, you have to have that background, I think, to really understand, you know, how bad it is. And Japan is very lucky in that sense, because Japan never had to deal with like, you know, communism taking over its country or socialism taking over its country. Um, so as I as an international relations student, we look at like, you know, the history of politics in Japan about how that happened. And uh, before World War Two, there were Marxist movements, there were a lot of labor movements that the you know, had some degree of popular support. But then after the war ended, after Japan was defeated, the American occupation really clamped down on making sure that communist influences didn't take over Japan. And uh, even when America left and you still had le left-wing parties, they were so disorganized and so dysfunctional that they couldn't actually really uh, get to, you know, to the policy goals that they wanted. Hmm. Wow. So kind of just basing off of your family experiences and everything like that, it's kind of what moved you towards that libertarian yes. type of area okay that's that's really interesting because you know like i was saying because you had mentioned it we were talking off off air and it's like you, you know here in america is oh yeah when you know ron paul in 2008 12 you know or yes. you know, whatever that's how i became a libertarian or at least i got interested interested in those ideas so yeah it's always kind of interesting when you hear someone with a completely different story yeah. that you haven't heard before and I should also say that, like, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I lived there my, my whole life before coming here about uh, three years ago. And then uh, whenever my uh, study abroad thing was finished, I did go back for a year and now I'm back again. Uh, so uh, I've, I've been, you know, around the block back and forth. So I, I have like a, I think, a decent view of like both sides. So what is it about Japan that you just feel kind of, I guess, calls your name in, in sure. a sort of speak? <laughs> uh well, I mean, like, you know, uh, personal wise, I have a Japanese girlfriend. So uh, a lot of the, uh, so that's like, and also we are, you know, planning a future together and everything. So uh, assuming that like that works out, I mean, and, you know, we marry and we have kids. I mean, that definitely means I'm going to stay. So I'm, I'm not going to like, uh, I, I can't take somebody who doesn't really speak English and who's only who's lived in Japan most of her life, you know, to the other side of the world. So though, if, if push came to shove, I'm sure that, you know, she could work hard and she would be able to do that. But in terms of like, you know, personally and everything, I just find that I have a better chance of a, of a career here academic wise than I do in America. So, um, you know, there's been so much written about how, you know, far left and how, you know, taken over hijacked academia is in America, mm -hmm. especially the social sciences that un that fortunately hasn't come to Japan yet. You can still have spirited discussions. You can still have, um, you know, debates over like opposing points of view without, you know, it devolving into like a shouting match for, for now. So that's one part of it. And then the other part of it is, is I just prefer, you know, the infrastructure, how clean Japan is, how the society is structured. And that's what really made me go from like, you know, a full on libertarian to more of a small L libertarian, because I mean, so like the whole thing of like, you know, caring for other people, the whole thing about like the whole mask culture and all that. To me, that's like a, a point where like selfishness reaches its limits, especially like in this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. It really sort of made me reanalyze, you know, what degree does selfishness have like in society? You know, how far can you possibly go? 
And um, my view with like, you know, rational self-interest, you know, you should, you know, consider your well-being first and then which includes the well-being of like, you know, your family and those closest to you. But at the same time, you can't live life, I think, entirely just being completely selfish, like, uh, you know, Ayn Rand, you know, wanted to propose, because I don't think you can have a society where if everybody is just completely selfish. Yeah, and I think it also just works in in different ways and in different areas, you know, because like like in Japan, that culture is just so deeply ingrained that it's it's going to take a really long time to kind of get away from that. And you know, they're so used they're, they're so used to that, you know, that whole clean environment and and like the public transportation is a huge part of it. And so it, it's it's something that I think people here in America, like the anarchists and just even libertarians in general, they kind of have to at least have some understanding to be like, okay, well, I do want some small community where I live, but who knows if it's going to work in, you know, Japan, for example, I, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, the problem with America is it's it's a huge country, you know, over 326 million people. It's hard to have any kind of like, you know, overarching policy that like, you know, benefits that's why you don't have healthcare. you know to the same system as like europe or like you know i know bernie sanders and those types they always say america is the only country that doesn't have this type of like healthcare or universal healthcare. well when you break it down by country to country each country has its own separate system and i think it's a very oversimplification to say that like you know everybody except america and it, when you also break it down a lot of those countries are very they're small they're sparsely populated compared to america very homogenous both you know and like americans are very unhealthy to begin with there's like <laughs> you can't give free health care to like you know a country where i think it's like one third even maybe bigger than that or overweight or o- approaching obese i i just don't see how that could possibly that could possibly work until america itself cleans up its act yeah i, I mean i i think like the socialized medicine that de- will definitely have has its problems for sure it's not just that end-all be-all type of solution yeah. at least I, I don't think so and you know, and I don't know if you've heard about this, but like secession here in America is now starting to become part of the lexicon where people that you wouldn't even think were talking about secession are now like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, cause like Californians, for example, under Trump, they're like, I, I think, uh, I think being under uh, the rule of not Donald Trump sounds like a pretty good idea to me. And then, of course, when, when Obama was in here, you're, you're like, oh, Texas, thinking about seceding. It's like, okay. So now you kind of see where everyone's at because – and it, it also makes sense too. Be, like you were saying, America is a, is, is a huge country, has this massive population, and we have one guy that's going to govern all of them. Give me a break. Like, come on. Yeah. And that also just goes into the idea, is America truly a united country? And I think, you know, not just today, obviously, if you just look at the history of yeah. how America has been, it's very, it's rarely ever been united on anything. Maybe yeah. apart from like tragedy or when we have to go to war, you know, when, oh, we yeah. war, when we go to war against like something that, you know, we all agree that this is an evil that has to be defeated. So we, we don't even have war anymore to, like, you know, unite ourselves around. Yeah, that, that's definitely for sure. I mean, it's like with the war thing, for example, and like you know, we have all the like when nine eleven happened, all the yeah. corporate was like, oh, there's an evil idea, there's evil, and then <laughs> that was like the only time really that George W. Bush had any type of like 
I think it was like 95% approval rating. That was about the only yeah. time. After that, it was down to 40s and you know nobody likes Bush anymore. But but what I always try to tell people, and this is also probably very odd coming from somebody my age, where I just say, you know, it could be a lot worse, especially if you look back. Like So I watched the Ken Burns' Vietnam War documentary this year. It's a very mm-hmm. wonderful film. It's like 12 hours long. It goes over like every stage of the Vietnam War and you know how it affected Americans back home. And I'm thinking, looking at saying, yeah, I'd rather like be alive today than alive back then because if I wasn't, like you know drafted as like you know an able-bodied uh, man like in his like uh, early 20s i would be at home surrounded by basically american society coming apart at the seams and i know that it seems like you know our society is coming apart <laughs> at the seams now but it's not it's not as bad as it could have been like you know in uh late 1960s early 1970s well yeah and also i mean the, the civil war happened Sure. You know, and there's you want to go back even further. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's people talking about, oh, maybe we have another civil war because it's kind of starting to feel that way with all these people, you know, fighting in the streets and everything like that. And it was also something that I I saw from your Twitter feed where your someone was talking about. I I think I can't exactly remember if it was about. I think it was like a pro-Trump rally or something like that. And they're like, oh wow. There's a there's a huge Trump crowd in Japan. You're like that's probably 20 people. Like what are you talking about? You know, and that works both ways too. Because uh, around the George Floyd protests, there were Black Lives Matter, uh, pro, uh, you know, rallies in Japan too. Organized yeah. and attended mostly by foreigners who live here and by English speaking Japanese people. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, you know, you do have the handful of like, you know, Japanese people that do consider themselves left wing and who are, you know, reading up on all that. But that's a very small minority compared to most people. Most people here are very apolitical or to the point where like they don't argue about politics in the same way as they do like, in, in America. And that's another thing that I always get, you know, a lot of flack for on Twitter from people who don't live here saying, well, what do you mean Japanese people don't care about politics? You know, that's just like infant- infantilizing them, you know, they, they care about politics just as much as americans do well i mean there's politics here and it is important to you know the society as it is to any other society but i mean the difference between here and america is that japanese people don't treat politics like it's a religion like you know it's the end-all be-all to how you can be friends with somebody or how you can have personal relations with other people so that's the biggest difference i think man that sounds like a great life like just (laughs) because you know like you were saying before how Oh, you don't agree with me on one, on this one issue? Well, I can't be your friend anymore. We can't talk, you know. And you hear stories about that all the time. Where oh, I found out my dad voted for Donald Trump. Uh, I'm, I don't want to be around my dad anymore. It's just like yeah. what? That's your dad. Like, come on. No, it's really funny though because when the election was going on, you saw these uh, Japanese newscasters. They're looking at like the chart, the same chart of America about what states being taken over. It was like watching a sports game almost. <laughs> the way that like they're just like you know saying, oh, you know, I hope that like, he takes Florida. No, 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 he's going to take Alabama. Definitely, no, Pennsylvania is going to go to <laughs> going to like that commentary was pretty funny. So it's just funny how every four years you do see that coverage here too. But besides that, I would say that most Japanese people don't know or necessarily even care about what goes on in America. And why would they? Does anybody in America care about what goes on in like France or the UK or Netherlands? I wouldn't think so. Right. And like, uh, unless it's like something massive, like you were saying, you know, like, like, I don't know, some kind of massive protest that's happening or something like that. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Wow. I haven't had a protest because I know people talking about protests in Europe about the lockdowns and everything like that, or just wearing masks. And people in America are like, why are we having that here? Like, I thought thought the French were pussies or something like that. And apparently over here, you don't see that a lot. So I don't know. Well, I mean, one of my uh, favorite writers and thinkers is Douglas Murray. So I look at him him for a lot for like British politics. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
Yeah, no, he, what he was also pointing out was how the New York Times and all these like Western, uh, you know, American, not Western, American uh, newspapers and news outlets, the way they portray, you know, England and like all these other countries, it is such a skewed perspective that if you only read these publications, you're not going to get the full picture. Right, exactly. And I mean, the corporate press here in America is exactly that. They, they all have an agenda that they want to push. They all have something that they want people to consume and consume over and over again. I mean, the prime examples with, you know, CNN and MSNBC and, and Fox News, they all have the thing they want to push out. Yes. And everyone that's listening to them and watching them are like, yes, I agree. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> well, yeah. Exactly what I'm thinking, you know. Oh, I mean, like the story that like that, that can't, pops up to me, like that came out recently. The Eric uh, Sol, Sw- Eric Solwell is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, Eric Solwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where with the whole like uh, the Chinese spy, where like you right. know for years and years they go on about the whole like Russia collusion thing, where there's you know very little evidence of that actually being true. I'm sure, I'm sure that Trump spoke to the Russians, but the idea that like Russia actually like you know affected the election in any significant way to like turn the results in his favor, well. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, good job, Vlad. You kind of like, you know, you, you screwed up this time. Like, you yeah, know, where were you in 2020? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, where you were at the wheel. But like, besides that, so then you have the, an actual story of where like a, a U.S. politician, not just one, multiple politicians had these relations with like chi- with this like this Chinese spy who wa- was only with them to get information from them. And like, no one is covering this. Fox News like ran like a segment on that. And because it's Fox News, the rest of the corporate press and the rest of the Democrats, they dismissed it saying, oh, this is just some right wing conspiracy theory. It's meant to discredit like a very good man and upstanding upstanding people it's like are you asleep at the wheel <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> yeah and if you really want to deep dive into the whole thing like fox news is just one of them too that fox yeah. news is like the they're like the um i guess they're like the uh they're the good heel i guess you know they're they're the credible uh, like you know they're the acceptable heel basically you know but if you want to go even further like you say oh well i watch alex jones all day and this is what i think and they go Oh, we can't accept that. No, no. There's also the One America News Network too. Right. Yeah, exactly. One America News. And then you have like the Blaze and all these other alternative news media, you you can kind of call them. And yeah, you know, my Facebook feed is like the epitome of, oh, wow, blue pill. Okay. Yeah, blue pill. Yeah. Every single, like, I'm thinking of one person, for example, almost every single post of them is like, man, Trump is an evil guy. Like he... I, once he's out, oh, it's gonna be great. <laughs> like, but, but okay, you also know this. You know this too because there's a divide between you know leftists and liberals, where the liberals are probably like the blue pill types, the ones that you're yeah. talking about, and then the the far leftists who I assume that like you and I probably have very little to agree on with them. They're the ones that are actually open to the idea that the the corporate press is rotten. That like right. you know. There are things that like aren't being covered or I mean you see this like you know with Edward Snowden with uh, Julian Assange with like Ross Ulbricht. Uh, Ul- yeah, 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 right. I'm terrible with pronouncing names. So sorry. But I mean, it was like a prime example. Yeah. I couldn't even pronounce your last name earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. But the thing is like so you have like the these people who like you know are in you know what regardless of what you think of them personally i mean right. i think that the sentences they were given they were very unfair you know those tr- those like legal proceedings were clearly done with like you know with prejudice in mind mm-hmm. and the fact that you know we have the president of the united states within his last like month in office less than a month in office where he's actually thinking of pardoning them that should be a victory against for like you know everybody across the whole political spectrum that believes in freedom that believes in transparency of information but then because it's trump you have those people who say yeah well you know this is just because like you know either trump wants to like look good for himself or you know these are these three people they're actually really bad and they actually deserve to be in jail from people who wouldn't be saying that if it was under obama and to me that just shows you what political partisanship does it makes you basically talk out of two sides of your mouth 
Well, as far as I know, I think Assange and Snowden, I think, weren't they arrested under Obama administration? Yeah, it was like, uh, I, think, I think Assange was like 2013. Yeah, no, 2012, yeah. I think. And then like uh, Snowden was 2013. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just, you know, oh, they're the, the part that I don't like is saying, eh, I want them. I mean, you saw, uh, you know, Lindsey Graham was saying, oh, please don't do this. And, yes. you know, and then you had, you had Sarah Palin come out saying I was wrong about Assange. I mean, she's coming out saying to pardon this guy. It's like, wow, this this lady is okay. I mean, we got something there. You see, that's because Trump, he's surrounded by these people that want all of these people to rot in jail. Trump Trump himself is a wild card. He'll basically do what you want as long as you just appeal to his ego. And then, you know, you like wine and dine him, you play nice with him. And what sticks out to me with that, so I was listening to, I've been listening to Brett Easton Ellis, uh, recently the author of, you know, mm -hmm. Less Than Zero American Psycho. And he's was talking about how basically if these celebrities had like spent the same amount of time shrieking at Trump as they were just talking to him and explaining their point of view and explaining what kind of like things they want to be passed, they would be surprised at what they could get done. If you look at Kim Kardashian, where, you know, she gets like mocked all the time for like, you know, how she presents herself, sometimes rightly. But out of all these celebrities, she was able to like get some criminal justice reform done. And she did that by just talking to Trump politely as like a human being, explaining her point of view. And she got the, result, the results that she wanted. So you'd be very surprised at how much you can get out of Trump if you just talk to him and you appeal to him, you know, using your celebrity ego. So... I, I just don't, I just think that for the past four years, it was such a waste. They could have gotten way more done than they think they could have. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Trump presidency. Yeah, for sure. It's it, I think maybe not the Trump supporter. The, the average Trump supporter probably won't agree with, with us yeah. on saying that. But I, I would definitely look at it as a, a huge disappointment because he had this chance to be this, you know, this massive just – uh, hypothetically or metaphorically throwing a bomb into the white house or something like that. Yes. And I mean, maybe there are a couple things that you can think of that he might've done. I mean, for, for me personally, some of the things that I liked were getting rid of the individual mandate. That was great. And, you know, kind of like the lower in the tax brackets is like, okay, that was nice too. I mean, federal spending is still going up through the roof, but no, yeah, I mean, or also at least attempting to get us out of all these like terrible wars and not starting any new wars to begin with. Yeah, I mean there is that for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean overall, I, I mean I I'm, I can't give him an A or a B. I could probably give him at the highest maybe a C, maybe. Yeah. You know, but I, I, but I don't, I don't like him anyway. I mean, I, I'll go ahead and say it right now. I think he should be tried for war crimes. He should sure. be hung. Sure. He should literally be hung in the front, and everyone could see. That's there. He is Donald Trump being hung from a news. There, there's that guy right there. Yeah, that Donald Trump. But but then line all the other presidents that are still alive. Get, sure. get him in there because they all deserve it too. Yeah, and you're already seeing this with how they're covering Joe Biden. You know how they're talking about like his like his socks or like you know his pet dogs. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah that's kind of funny. I mean, okay, so like speaking of the media, how does the media kind of look at the Japanese politicians? Do they kind of do the same thing, or do they do they look at it more? nuance or they actually kind of give like a, a pretty good um coverage of them or how, how do they yeah. do it? well you see this is probably a system that's going to horrify most of our western viewers but uh they have this thing called the uh, kisha club system kisha is journalist in japanese we're basically mm -hmm. um journalists like only approved journalists can talk to politicians and basically these news organizations they agree ahead of time of like you know what questions to ask and you know what journalists are allowed to like you know interact with these politicians and so uh the plus of that system is you get coverage very quickly and you're able to get like a guaranteed interview the other thing is that can basically like open the 
door for like you know covering up things that like shouldn't be covered or like uh, uh, you know engaging in corruption or you know just basically the politician giving you a, a generic press statement and then you know releasing that. So that's a very uh, system that I'm not a fan of. But there are you know organizations that are basically very critical of the prime minister of the mm-hmm. the leading parties, the LDP, the Liberal Democratic. Uh, party which is a misnomer it's a center-right uh, party it has to do with the uh, translations and stuff but yeah i mean uh so there are like journalists that get blacklisted for like criticizing uh you know the leading government there are some news organizations that are more um pro-government i would say they're more in that direction but uh there is a there is a decent variety of i would say diversity of voices it's just that um the way that like japanese politics are covered it could be better especially with like you know that whole like a corrupt system uh, I'm just thinking about if there's some kind of, uh, you know, like a, an equivalent to like an Alex Jones type of person over there. That'd no, be great. no, 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 then no, no, <laughs> nobody like that. And uh, I mean, that's the other thing too. It's like, you know, why aren't there any Alex Joneses? Why aren't there any like Donald Trumps in like, you know, in Japanese politics? And I just think because the way that the bureaucracy is structured and the way that the system is, I just don't think it's possible. I mean, so you have the liberal democratic party, as I said, is the, is like the, the big party who's ruled Japan basically since 1955. There's, there's been periods where, um, they lose the majority of seats like in the house. And so they get taken over by like, you know, a, an opposing party. If you believe it or not, they once had a coalition with the socialist party. So <laughs> that's like, uh, that shows you like how strange that politics can get over here. But the thing is like, that's also a misnomer though. So yes, it is like this one big party that's like controlling the system for like a long time, but there's so many factions within the LDP that like, you know, they're always fighting for power. So like Shinzo Abe is not the same kind of prime minister as like Jinichiro Koizumi was uh, 20 years ago. Koizumi was way more uh, neoliberal, way more free market, but Abe is way more social security and trying to have that kind of safety net. And this is from a conservative party on paper. So Hmm. to have that kind of like diversity within the party itself, that shows you that it's more complicated than, than I think people give it credit for, especially in the West. So there's that one name, the the social, like the liberal democratic party, but are there, I guess, because you were just talking about two different prime ministers, but they kind of govern differently. So are there different, I guess, factions in that, that party? Yeah. Yes. And so this is actually what my uh, master's thesis is on. I'm talking about Shinzo Abe's North Korea policy about like, mm-hmm. you know, what did he do and like, you know, how uh, successful was he? Was he He wasn't in terms of getting actual stuff done. He wasn't very successful. But in terms of like, you know, bringing it to, to wide attention, I would say that he was. But the thing is, like, you know, why him out of like every other of this party that's been like ruling for decades? Well, that's because every leader that the LDP has, it's a different type of leadership. Now, the person who, who we have now, um, Suga, Prime Minister uh, Yoshihida Suga, he was the cabinet minister of Japan's, uh, of uh, Abe's administration. So it's not really that much of a change from him. So sometimes you do get that where basically they're people who are, you know, succeeding the person behind them. But, you know, Koizumi was, a, was considered the maverick. He wasn't the same as the people before him. Hmm. And the way that, like, you know, the Japanese, the coalition system works, it's not like in America at all. To have the idea that, like, you know, Democrats or Republicans would, you know, be <laughs> together on anything, it's like, you know, it wouldn't happen it's like an absurdity but over here whenever like you know the parties are weak enough where they can't like you know take over the ruling party by itself that's when they'll do coalitions but that now the ldp is a very strong party the other major opposing parties uh, a couple years ago they split off into like splinter parties and they're all very weak so for this foreseeable future the ldp is going to continue to rule but that can change at you know 20 30 years from now you don't we just don't know yeah that, that is that's pretty interesting it kind of kind of just reminds me of like uh like you know the the kind of the european way yes. you know, how they do things you know they have they have all these different parties you know they have like the the lib dem and they have the conservative and all that but i mean it's like namesake only because a conservative i think like 
I don't know if he was a conservative or not. I'm probably having it way off, but like a Tony Blair, for example, he'd go in and then someone from like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gordon Brown would come in and then, but they're, I, I think they're from the same party or something like that or kind of, yeah. similar, but, <laughs> but it's like, you know, no, hardly anybody liked them or something. So, well, I mean, that just shows you that like, you know, you can't have the same American mentality to politics of other countries. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how many like, you know, journalists and like, you know, people who are actually like paid to like write this commentary, they still look at it through like an American lens when they should be looking at it through the British lens or the Japanese lens. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's it's something that I think a, a lot of Americans they don't really understand, and I'm I'm definitely one of those too because I mean I don't know everything about Japanese politics. I mean, you you probably name something about Japanese politics. I'm like I don't know, like, I, I have no idea. I mean, and, and and like you were saying, why 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 do I know? Because I don't live there, so it really doesn't affect me all that much, you know. Yeah, well, and also I I don't portray myself like as an expert either. I just try to like know the basic system of how it works. But yeah. I mean, it is complicated, and it's complicated for the people who live here as excuse me, the people who live here as like you know normal citizens, the people who are like uh, the average Japanese person. If you ask them, name all the parties, very few can actually do that. Name who's like the you know the leader of your district, very few people can do that. So. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about earlier about political apathy. Well, there is a, the, the positive of that is like, we're not at each other's throats, you know, over like political differences. But the other thing is, is like, you know, I think you should have a basic civics education. You should know who's running your government. You should know like, you know, what laws are in place. And the fact that like most people don't, I mean, I think that is like a tragedy. That is, I think something that, you know, should be improved upon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but then there's a part of me too, that kind of likes the chaos and kind of dislikes all the, kind of you know the fighting and everything like that you know it's not for everyone not everyone's gonna like that because they don't know uh, what if the government gets toppled tomorrow i don't know i mean for some people that'd be awesome you know yeah. oh the government's gone oh it's great but then <laughs> for other people you know there there is those um you know the safety nets like yes you know like the the i guess the um like the social security or people on welfare for example if you just get rid of that oh well now what am i gonna do oh my god I have, you know because they don't they, that's literally all they have yeah, it is. But I think also the thing with like young people in America. So I say this is like as like an atheist too, who's somebody who's not religious at all. I think the absence of religion has caused a lot of people to basically turn politics into their religion because the yeah. the cult of like all this like woke stuff and everything. It's very alluring for somebody that doesn't have who has like you know as Douglas Murray says the God shaped hole in their heart because like they need to have some kind of like belief to like drive them forward and. Um, so the difference between I think leftism and like you know conservative ideas, leftism is always about constant struggle. It's always about like trying to like fight a battle, whether that battle exists or not. And because these people feel like they don't, they don't have a battle. They don't have any kind of like ideological thing to to push forward. They mm-hmm. turn their politics into that. They view like you know politics as the entire thing to center their lives around. And I don't think that's a very healthy way to live. I don't think that's like a recipe for like you know a successful or happy life. Yeah, that that's definitely. Uh... For sure, you know it's it's like people they they look at politics as yeah like as their religion and you know there there's people that are anarchists but they're also Christian and the reason why they think that is because well I only serve one God and that's you know that you know that that's who it is it, and I don't worship the state so because I, if I worship God and the state then I'm worshiping two gods and that's not how it's that's not how it works yeah. You know? So, and that's, that's definitely a good point for kind of, cause I mean, you see it now, like, like religion is kind of just, you know, tossed away. It's, oh, I'm going to do whatever I want, you know, free, do whatever I want, you know, I'm going to grow armpit hair or whatever, you know? So I don't know. It's kind of just, 
it, the whole culture is really kind of just going on the wayside. You know, the thing is, is, if you don't have religion, though, you need to have something to at least like be a substitute for community or something to have like united shared values around. And so Japan itself, uh, Shintoism and Buddhism are like, you know, the two main religions here. But very few people believe in them actually like literally or they very few people seem to believe like in a personal God the same way that Westerners do. But they still have shared beliefs of how society should be structured upon how, you know, we should treat each other and how we should conduct things, you know, conduct like you know interactions between people on a daily basis. So. You know, America, the thing is, if you don't even have that, though, like, what is there? What can we have a society on? What can we have any kind of shared beliefs over? Just taking a moment to say, if you want to help support us, please donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash what's happening, or you can donate to us directly via PayPal. Some examples of patron benefits include early access, the full video library of old content, exclusive polls that will dictate the direction of our show, and merch. Thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. I don't know. I mean, that's definitely the the age old question. I, I think, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, speaking of like living your best life and everything like that, I kind of wanted to ask you about uh, your favorite anime. <laughs> oh, very good, very good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, actually, so I've been uh, showing my girlfriend Evangelion for the first time. I mean, I've seen it before, but she yeah. hasn't. So that's a thing that we're really, you know, bonding over. And uh, besides that, I really like uh, Lupin the Third. Of, I'm not sure if you heard of it before. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a very long running, uh, you know, heist anime. I really like the characters of that series. Um, what else is there? Steins Gate is very good, though some people say the first half is boring, but I think the first half is to set up, you know, the exciting second half. Yeah. And that's one thing that I think Japanese storytelling is, uh, you know, very willing to, they're willing to take the time to like, you know, do like, you know, character development to do like long, long stretches of like, you know, establishing characters and, you know, establishing world and establishing narrative. So by the time that like, you know, you get to the midway point, you're fully invested. And I guess that's also why RPGs tend to be like 60, 70 hours long. Yeah, I mean that's that's it like the RPG is a huge part of the gaming. Yes. Society, yeah. You know, and it's, so it's cool that you're liking more of the the classic anime. I mean, I I kind of stopped watching anime. F- I don't even know the last an- like the newest anime that I watched was probably like I don't know like Lucky Star or Kaon or yeah. something like that. And but yeah, cuz for me the one of my favorite animes is like zero experiments lane and haibane lenmai and uh just that whole trilogy the, you know that the, them those two and then technolize is is pretty good too well, well you know more than me because i haven't seen any of those oh really yeah. yeah they're 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 pretty short they're not super long like you probably you could probably watch every single series like maybe in a day probably sure. if you're like doing a marathon you could probably watch in a day or something like that um I haven't, the thing is like with anime, when I was in high school and I was in the beginning of university, that's when I had more spare time on my hands to do stuff like that. But I mean, this year, especially, you know, COVID, you would think that, you know, having, uh, you know, being in a pandemic, being in a lockdown, you'd have more spare time. For me, it's the opposite because I'm a master's student. And also I just applied for a PhD that I thankfully got into. So that took most of my, uh, uh, most of my like, you know, fall and like winter season. So it's uh things will be able to calm down soon i'll be able to get back into that that sort of thing but i mean this year has been extremely busy <laughs> overall yeah that, that's pretty cool that you're able to get into that um so 
kind of going back with, or I guess not really going back, but kind of similar with just the entertainment uh, in general there. Like here in America, the, like the political drama is a huge thing here. Is that something that's kind of also prominent there or is it not, not really? Cause I know there's like, you know, Japanese drama is, is a big sure. thing here, but it's more about like the, like relationships and everything yes. like that. But any, is there anything like political that goes on there? Very, very rarely. And this is the other thing too. There's very little political satire in Japan. So if you look at, <laughs> if you look at like comedy, it's always very like uh slaps physically. It's like slaps the comedy. And then like uh, with like words and stuff, it's like wordplay. It's like puns and that, that sort mm. of thing. That's what you are. So the TV is always on in my house. I'm always like watching it constantly, both to like, you know, have something in the background, but also to like, you know, pick up more Japanese words and like, you know, that kind of thing. So I always find it funny what, you know, Japanese people like view. You've, you've probably seen my Twitter where I sometimes upload videos of uh, things that I see on TV. It's always like cute animals or it's always yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. There was one there was one that you tweeted out where. You know, kind of with the politics thing, there was this Japanese guy who was wearing a cowboy hat, but he was yes. talking American politics. It's like, okay, well, I was thinking if they, if they did something like that here, you yeah. know, with all this, you know, uh, SJW or you know, cancel culture type of stuff. If some, if some guy was wearing a, you know, some kind of like Japanese garb or something like that, talking about Jap- Japanese politics, be like, what? Oh, <laughs> I saw this. Uh, I saw this like a skit the other day where basically it was making fun of sexual harassment in the workplace, which that alone you can't like, you can't. <laughs> Like on, on, but it was talking about like what happens in situations of like reverse sexual harassment where like you know the female superior is like coming on to like the male inferior that what do you do in the, that situation so it's like this whole like long drawn out like you know uh segment where like people are like taking their clothes off and like <laughs> <laughs> trying to like avoid like you know like the female like superior touching like the male inferior it's like this is hilarious but it's like you could never get away with showing this on tv in america you would like have so many angry complaints you'd have so you the whole network would be canceled maybe yeah, because if they did something like that, yeah, that'd be, <laughs> I'm just trying to think like if they did, I'm just trying to picture it. You know, they all, oh, oh, the woman's trying to come on to you, and the Japanese guy's like, oh, it sounds like a good idea. I don't know. I mean, there's like why? literally like a scene where like she basically takes off the entire like suit of like one of the male employees, where the whole thing just like zips off like it's like a one piece thing. <laughs> <laughs> like wearing like a jumpsuit or something yeah yeah and then like and then it's like two of them they're like parading around like in their underwear they're like slapping each other with like rulers and stuff it's like... <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah that's yeah. funny but, yeah and, but the thing is also with like politics like in the media like celebrities they don't get into politics here whenever like some kind of a japanese celebrity tries to make like a political statement which is very very rare there's a lot of people that just say why are you talking about this you're like an actress you're an actor you're, you don't know anything about politics <laughs> oh my god that's like the complete opposite here so i gotta have i have a message like i have a say i gotta say what i gotta you know yeah go out and vote Go out yeah. and vote, you know, that whole campaign. Or, or even just when, like, Matthew McConaughey literally just says something very, like, innocent, saying, like, you know, not non-offensive of all, saying, like, you know, there's a segment of the illiberal left that's, you know, driving away people. You, like, won this time, but just barely. So yeah. you really have to think about it next time. And then he just gets slammed for saying stuff like that. I mean, if somebody like that, who's not even a conservative, who's not even, you know, on the right, can, can't get away with saying something like that, like, in, in American politics, like, what can you do? How can we have any kind of discussion? How can we have any kind of discourse? I don't know. I mean, it'd be kind of nice to have a, to kind of go back to the world where we can do those type of skits about a guy getting his shirt taken off by a woman. Oh, what the, what are we doing here? You know, I mean, that'd be great. You know, like the slapstick humor, I'm all for it. You know, I, I like, yeah. I mean, I could watch eighties Jackie Chan movies all day. Sure. I mean, that's, that's all I, 
uh, all I really liked back in the day. Yeah, but then if you look at if you look at late night TV in America, it's garbage. It's terrible. None of these people are funny. They're all lecturing about how they're better than you. And then whenever they're called out about on like their politically misinformed statements, they just say, "Well, I'm a comedian. I'm not like you know, I don't know anything about politics. So you know, it's all just in good fun." Well, you say pol- political statements like every night on TV, and then when you're called out for it, then all of a sudden that you have no response. I, I just find all of that really hypocritical. Well, even if they were like that on late night, you know, they, you, you know, you have like, I don't know, just, just for hypothetical, whatever, you have like the Stephen Colbert, the late show is Stephen Colbert now. And, you know, he's spewing out whatever he's going to spew politically. Let's just say like the more, le- the more liberal type of stuff, you know, and then you have a, a Jimmy Fallon who's kind of actually spouting out more like right wing stuff. I'm not saying that's what he's doing, but I'm just kind of like, again, hypothetical. Oh yeah. You like more right wing stuff. I mean, at least there's a difference. They, yes. they pretty much say the same thing. It's just like, why do we have all these television shows when I can just watch one and I can get everything I need from that show? Because this other one, apparently it's it's the Tonight Show, but they're saying everything that this guy is saying. So why would I switch? Yeah. You know? and, I, and I remember when like Jimmy Kimmel, when he really wasn't like that political compared to like his other hosts, he yeah. was like, called out, like, why aren't you making political statements? Cause he says, well, I'm not really interested in politics. I'm more interested in like, you know, culture and things that are, you know, art and things that are actually like, you know, funny. And just for saying that he got called out. So you were at the point where you can't even just say nothing. You can't even just like remove yourself from that conversation. You have to be in that conversation if you're in Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, we can go into all the conspiracy theories, but who really controls Hollywood, but I'll, I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to kind of see how it's, I guess for some people, they kind of look at, and I'm sure you've seen this and I'm sure you've probably gotten it too, where, they, you know, like just, we were talking about the example you were giving about how these celebrities that can't talk politics, whatever. And to some people here, they'll think that as well, that's a backward society. Like, I can't believe that you're not allowed to speak up about what, why it's like, I don't understand. I said, like, well, and, and if they're, they would probably just say, well, that's not my place because I'm a celebrity. I'm here to entertain people. That's why I'm called an entertainer. Yeah. You know, and, and well, then also like, you know, whenever a new movie or game comes out, you can't go like one day without there being like a dozen think pieces about like, you know, oh, the political subtext of, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 and all that. And I mean, that shows you the contrast, too. So when that game came out here, for example, people are just like, you know, complaining how it's like a broken mess, not about whatever. <laughs> it's the picture. Well, like, after. Yeah, after. But they weren't talking about like, you know, the, the, the police or like, you know, or, you know, how gender options are presented in this game. That's just not a conversation. <laughs> a thing that like people here cared about. I only saw, but but the thing is though, I would even say like that stuff is only on Twitter. Like if you leave Twitter and you go yeah, into the real yeah. world That's and you just it. talk to people, like what do you think about this game? Uh, yeah, it's okay. What do you think about this movie? Yeah, it's okay. Well, it's an easier medium to say things because you're just typing. You don't have someone in your face, yeah. you know, saying, "Oh, you better say the right thing, or I'm gonna, you know, beat your ass," or something like that. <laughs> so it's definitely easier to when you see a tweet you don't like and quote it and to say, oh, I don't like this yeah. or reply to them. And then you just leave it alone. You can mute I, it, block the I, person, you know, I don't, I don't know if you feel this way, but like I used to do that like way more than I do now. But then I just realized this is just like a waste of time. It blows up your notifications. It just leads to like, you know, uh, hot air basically going back and forth. Like there's no point to like this argue to arguing with these people online. Whenever, if it's something like really, really, really stupid where the person is like being like ratioed and then, yeah, okay. Then you can maybe comment on that because like everybody kind of agrees that what this person said is like, you know, really dumb, but 
like do you really want to like spend your afternoon arguing with like you know somebody with like uh 150 followers who has like you know marxist leninist like you know uh you know tanky all like these like you know a whole like paragraph like in the bio do you really want to argue with these people for like your entire afternoon i mean why there's just no point well, sometimes I'll tweet out something that I know will get a reaction. And then when people come at me with a reaction, I'm I'm just chuckling. So yeah. I'm like, okay, or, well, yeah, I'm not going to respond to you. Or what you should do is you, you mute the, the tweet and you like bookmark and then come back to it like a few hours later just to see like what the responses are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've done that a couple of times. And it's just, it's hilarious to, to see people when, when they're autism, uh, yeah. you know, when their autism goes off. But it's the only it's the only place where you can like see, you know, 16 year olds, like literal children trying to lecture to adults that they know more about the world. They know more about politics than, you know, people who have actually been out there, who've actually seen it all. Yeah, that's definitely uh, that's definitely for sure. Um, well, Oliver, we'll go ahead and end it there. I really do appreciate you coming on and uh, talking about uh, stuff that's going on over there in Japan. Uh, I think it's really good to let people kind of know about how how different it is out there not just america and that's it you know so uh, i'm glad that you're able to come on um if you want to go ahead and do any plugs so you can go ahead uh sure yeah basically just uh follow me on twitter that's probably the best place to get in touch with me and to uh, follow my work so it's uh, oliver and then last name jia uh 1014 so oliver jet 1014 uh follow me there and uh yeah shoot me a dm if you want to get into more discussions or you know Tweet at me, whatever, you know, always happy to talk to new people, hear new perspectives. Yeah. So uh, again, thank you so much, Oliver, for coming on and for all of you listening and watching. I really appreciate it. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks guys.